Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. I was just checking. I knew it was Wednesday. I just wanted to see. Thank you, John, for correcting me. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Would you welcome the person next to you? Make sure that you're glad that they're here. We are here too. Because God wants us to. So we're gonna. Now don't tell Sister Crane that I use the word gonna because I will get in trouble. Professor Jan Deuce is going to minister the word to us in a little bit. I want us to start with a song that I hope you know. Last night I was one for two. Uh, second song we sang, no one sang. So I'm hoping that you know this one. So would you put the words up, Vic? You know Hosanna? Somebody say yes. How many said yes? Can I see your hands? This is, this is not a democracy. This is just more just a, oh, what are we going to do now kind of question. Any place you want us to go, we'll go. Anyone you want us to be, we'll be. without you. We don't dare go without you. We give you praise for bringing us this far. And we give you praise for having more in, more in mind for us than we're aware. Accept our praise in our hearts. Accept our efforts on your behalf. Accept our concerns, accept our weariness, accept the things that are, we have yet to do, and step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. And all of his followers said, Amen. May be seated. The theme of my message tonight is putting away childish things to be a child of God. Let us pray. Lord, we are so glad tonight for what you want to do in our lives. And we're so glad, Lord, that above all things, we are your children, and we want to learn more about what that means. So help us tonight, Lord, to be challenged to be, again, more and more of what you want us to be. We yield ourselves anew and afresh to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles and keep open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, and Matthew 18, 1 through 4. I swear to you, I will make sure that the editing of this tape is handled tastefully, okay? I'm sure you will. No, I promise. We need to clamp down, grow up, and other times we hear, 
let's let the kid be expressed that is inside of each one of us. The scene then that we just witnessed, actually if you saw all of the words that were said, show both notions in life. Don't be a kid or be a kid. And I want to start tonight with the idea of don't be a kid. You may remember that Amy in our film says to Russ, who is very proud and yet very immature, we can't go around talking what we're going to be like when we grow up. We are up. The Apostle Paul says to a proud yet immature church, it's time to stop talking and bragging about being up. It's time to actually be up. In other words, Paul says, put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13:11 that I asked you that you might want to follow along with me says when I was a child I talked like a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child but when I became a man I put away childish things The Greek word that is used here in this passage for child is one that is used in the Bible at different times to refer to someone who is both young and dependent but, it, and, but at times in the ancient world, it could also carry with it the idea of being immature and foolish, lacking judgment, with special stress being on being inexperienced. It could also carry the idea of one who looks for the easy way out. And in this chapter, Paul comes to use this word as he is in the midst of dealing with a situation which the people at Corinth were very sure that they were anything but that. They had thought that in their practice of spiritual gifts, with the pursuit of spiritual knowledge, with the high level of achievements that they had experienced, that they had attained, that they had it all together. That when we come to these verses about putting together or putting away childish things, we find that Paul uses this term intentionally to ruffle their feathers. I mean, what other way can you get the attention of someone who thinks they have it all together and obviously doesn't? In this chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, that talks about putting away childish things, Paul brings out some other contrasts to show that the things in which they had put so much of their confidence were really not that important, just like we saw with Russ in our film. And, and Paul maintains that in doing so, that they were missing the most important thing that God had for them in their lives. In fact, before verse 11, we have in verse 8, where Paul says, prophecies will cease, tongues will be stilled, and knowledge will pass away. And then, though, as he comes down to the very end of the chapter, he starts to create for them a larger vision in which they will not only begin to understand that they need to put away childish things, but they most definitely will want to. For he says that when perfection comes, meaning that when the time comes to wrap everything up, they will see things from the other side, and that the poor reflection that they see now will at that time at the end will become crystal clear, and that from the other side of the resurrection, they will discover that even the things that seemed most glorious and exalted to them at one time had actually all along just been child's play. Because I want to ask and I want us to think again. According to Paul, what will really stand? 
what will endure? To what essential thing must we give our hearts and lives today that will actually stand the test of time? What will make us into the people that God meant for us to be? What brings about excellence? Because Paul starts the chapter out by saying, I show you a more excellent way. What brings about real joy? Love. And well, Paul tells us in the opening verses of this chapter how we can practice those things and how we can understand. But I would suggest the night, tonight that the verse on which I am focusing is a vital key to understanding how we can focus on that most important quality of life, and that is putting away childish things growing in maturity, by growing in love and focusing on that which will endure. Let's look more closely at verse 11 where Paul is kind of opening up himself and talking about his journey of growing up. He says, folks, it's my desire again that you be up. Let me tell you about what I went through to become up. First of all, I learned that when I was a child that mm, I talked like a child. Well, when I talked like a child, it was all about me. We would start a conversation, it would be about me. In the middle of the conversation, it was all about me. By the end of the conversation, we had talked about me, and when it was time to talk again, we probably would start talking about me. But Paul says that when I put away childish things, when I became a man, I learned that there was you. And then I discovered something else, church in Corinth. There's you, there was me, there was us. And when it came to us, that's when the maturity really could begin. What he said is, I became a man, I had a different way of thinking. Because when I was a child, I thought a little bit differently about things. Um, my frame of reference was completely childish, in many ways selfish. All I could think about is how things would come to me and how I could get and attain those goals and dreams that were just simply all about me. And sometimes it would even be at the expense of others. My different way of thinking, though, when I became a man, came down to me discovering that there was you and me. And then there was us together. And that was the beginning of maturity. Paul says, not only did I become a man where I put away a childish way of thinking, a childish way of talking, but even there was, he said, I also reasoned like a child. When I reasoned like a child, it was in this sense. Once again, the way that I calculated things. Not just simply my frame of reference of looking at things, but, but actually the way that I figured out how to really get where I was going was always going to be what benefited me first. But then when I became a man, I discovered again, there was you, and there was me, and there's us together as the community. And that is where the maturity comes. I want to say to us tonight as a church, and I want to say to us tonight as a community, like Amy says and the Apostle Paul says, we should be up. Have we put away childish things? Have we put away those things in which self-orientation is the theme of my life, or is it about you 
and me and us together. One of the things that Paul mentions not only in uh, verse 11, but he also talks about in verse 12, is he starts to talk about another aspect that can be destructive. And that is when he makes sure that the Corinthians understand that they only know things in part. And then he says something that I think is extremely interesting. In fact, it was kind of a strange choice of words. He says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. And what can be destructive sometimes is when we think we know, when we really don't know, we judge. I've got your number. I've got you figured out. You said that way, or you looked at me that way, or you acted in this way, or you went this direction. I've got your number. I've got you figured out. I know. That can sometimes be destructive to the ways of love. That can many times be childish. But again, it's you, it's me, it's us together for the way of maturity. Because here's the next exciting little verse that I just told you a second ago, these little words. Because verse 12, the end of verse 12, also says this. In, <clears throat> now I know in part, then I shall know fully. And here's the words. Even as I am fully known. Who fully knows me? Who knows me best and loves me most? The Lord Jesus. And so it's not just you, me, us together. But there is the Lord Jesus that is in the midst of all of these things. And that is where the confidence and the security and the maturity comes that helps us to put away childish things. Is when I not only realize there's you and me, but that together I know that I stand in confidence in a relationship with the one who fully knows me. When I'm free in that way, I am able to do what I was really wired up to do, which again is to love God and to love others with all of my heart. And now we come to the other notion, and that is the idea of to be a child. Because what does this really look like? We put away childish things. And yet Jesus says something very important. He brings in the other notion of be as a child, for he is, his very words in Matthew 18, 1 through 4 is, be as a child. You remember in the film, Amy says, just when I think you could not possibly be more of a jerk than you are, you outdo yourself. But then when you do the kind of things like you did when you threw away the tape, in other words, thought of others beside yourself, I get the tiniest glimpse of the kid in you, and then I want to hang around to see what happens next. Matthew 18 says this, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <clears throat> no, it's really me. And he called a little child, and he had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus doesn't say, um, well, <clears throat> it's really a good idea, your relationships will be a lot better off if you'll learn to be a child and you'll be humble. He doesn't say, well, you know, this really just might be something that someday might be a good thing and that you'll get around to it. 
Jesus very clearly says, the Greek is very strong here, it is most definitely a condition. He says, unless you change and become as a child, you won't even get in the front door. What did Jesus mean? Well, I don't think that Jesus is endorsing some kind of Pollyanna's statement about the innocence of children, per se. I don't see any implication that, what, from what Jesus says, that children possess some kind of superior quality. And there is no idea either that we have a kind of hidden child in us so that if we give way to our instincts, somehow that'll make us more whole and we'll clear the way for <clears throat> some kind of virtue. Yet, there is a sense in which Jesus would say that children are modest and unspoiled as compared to adults in this sense, which is the biblical sense and the Christian sense. It is the sense in which children are not afraid to admit real need. For you see, the idea of being as a child has to do with the child's littleness. It has to do with immaturity and the sense of needing assistance. And Jesus turns this around to make this point in his situation. Because in doing so, he issues a startling reminder to the disciples who are behaving like jerks in arguing over who is the greatest. Jesus took the idea of the child. It was like he showed a film, really. It was like a drama thing. He didn't go into some long discourse about humility, even though he mentions humility as being a central feature. He just simply brought this child and set this child in the midst of them. And what they were ashamed to, ha to admit was that what Jesus was actually doing was he was turning the tables on them by taking what they would have to admit as men who wanted to be the greatest. That they would have to admit that what they despised most which would be feeling small and insignificant is the very thing that Jesus said they must do and be to open the way for God to work in their lives. Now, the debate here is not whether or not you have needs or not. We all have needs. We all need to admit that we have need. But there's another element to being the kind of child Jesus is talking about, not only admitting that we have need, but it is also looking at how we choose to deal with the need that we have. You see, we can try to deal with that need to feel wanted and to feel significant. We can revert to a kind of adult mentality, thinking that all we have to do is exert greater control everything. So in terms of actually admitting that we need, we instead, we block those needs, we squelch, we play games, we puff ourselves up, we play dress up, we pretend to be what we aren't. But to really get at this thing, what I believe is that he's, Jesus is saying, you not only need to know that you need as a child, as a simple child, but you need to let God fill that need in your life to be, support, to be important and to be significant. <coughs> <clears throat> what happens next then? What happens next after we become this child? 
when we allow God to make us into what he wants us to be, is that we live each day with eagerness and with desire and in an uninhibited passion toward living God's way. We look at the moon. <coughs> we remember that the world does not revolve around us. We put that childishness aside, yet we also come as innocent children ready to be molded and shaped. And we look to the sun, S-O-N, and we revolve around him. Again, this is where real humility will take shape in our lives. We live in the realm not of, not of thinking less of ourselves than we should, but certainly not thinking more of ourselves than we should. I would encourage you tonight then as we begin to continue to think about this that we ask the Lord to help us to put off the pretense of childishness, of the childish ways of playing games. The answer is to reduce ourselves to the simple ways of coming to God as a child, to be malleable in the hands of God as a sweet child. You do that, like Amy, just hang around and see what happens next. Help us to see us like you do. Help us to be the children you want us to be. We're willing. We give you our heart, our soul, our pretense, our facades, our barriers, ourselves. Work in us. Work in us. <laughs>